2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Welcome back to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Yeah, that's me. I'm your eponymous host coming to you from the downtown San Francisco studio. We want to talk sports with you. This is what we got started back in the day, the late 90s. And I worked on sports byline television in 1989. I know. It's crazy, man. <laughs>
4: Crazy,
3: But the great thing about this show is I'm so great. No, I'll talk about any sporting topic that you would like. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, rollerball, chess checkers, rugby, cricket. It doesn't matter if it is sports. I'm interested in your call. The call works all over these United States of America. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. One 7529 No excuse not to call. Somebody once asked, told me one time. She said, uh, "I'm afraid you're going to yell at me." I'm like, "Why would I yell at you? I've never yelled at anybody." Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the nitty gritty. We'll get to the bottom of it at the secret code, which is once again one A play. I usually have uh, some guests on the show, and today's no different. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guests. And we'll leave it at that. Now, Lloyd Schwartz, uh, you might remember uh, Sherwood Schwartz. It's his son, Sherwood Schwartz, did Gilligan's Island, Brady Bunch and all that. We've got Charlie Moore and Jen Taylor from Discovery Channel's Love Off The Grid uh, Steph Sanders, Cobb's Comedy Club tonight. We have George Gamble talking soccer. We have Jonah Joal from the She Unit and also actress and TED Talker Naomi McDowell-Jones will join us as well. Big show. I'm
5: Rick Tittle. Come on back.
6: I know you've been waiting a little bit longer than normal.
5: Jen's manicure point spot point. needs an extra pair of hands.
6: Who's at the front desk right now? Someone
5: who's handy with everything from nail files to spreadsheet files.
6: Deidre's not coming in today? But we have that whole bachelorette
5: Indeed can help her hire great people fast.
6: I need Indeed.
5: Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
7: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month?
9: Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com.
4: titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever he's so wonderful titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle isn't he so handsome he's a genius
3: Hey, thank you for that and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network syndicated out of San Francisco. It's our pleasure to begin the show with uh, longtime entertainment uh, specialist and uh, executive writer, producer, all those things. It's Lloyd Schwartz and uh, he has written a new play called Classic Couples Counseling. It's going to begin on April 1st. It's going to run through March 6th at Theater West. In Los Angeles, Lloyd, welcome to the show. And uh, for people who don't know, this—the uh, entertainment business, television—it uh, is definitely in the family business, isn't it?
10: Oh yes, yes. My dad uh, started as a writer with Bob Hope, and then he created Doug Gilligan's Island and uh, Brady Bunch. Uh, that's where I started really working with him on Brady Bunch. So, and my my niece is in the business, and my sons, my cousin—yeah, you know, we're all there.
3: You know, I remember because uh, I was born in the '60s, and uh, when the Brady Bunch was in prime time, and you know, we only had three channels basically with a UHF here or there. Can it, it, it's hard to explain? I think to youngsters now just how big those shows were. We didn't have a lot of options. The, basically the whole, <laughs> at least half the country was watching these shows, huh? Yeah,
10: yeah. We had the, now the, a, a normal share for an audience for a, a network show is about one or two percent. And we had uh, 30%. Wow. At least, yeah. And, uh, and in fact, Brady Bunch was never even really a big hit when it was on originally. You, you probably saw it in syndication, and that's where it became like uh, everybody's. everybody knows every episode.
3: Yeah, well, I, I I remember, was it on Friday nights when it was still running? And it's and it before? Right. Uh, yeah, I remember watching it on Friday nights with my brothers because I was in the middle, so I was like the Peter uh, of the group. Yeah. So um me too
10: me too by the way. Oh
3: okay. <laughs> when it's time to change. Yeah. Um but uh you know going to Hawaii the Vincent Price thing was was that the last season those episodes?
10: No, I think that was the uh, the third season uh the, third. the Hawaii okay. episode. Yeah, and then we did um I think the Grand Canyon was the first and then then it was kind of descending scale because after that we went to Cincinnati. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
3: What about, uh, you mentioned Gilligan's Island, which still uh, is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, resonates to this day, and, and, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters, the cartoons, all the things, uh, what are, when people find out that, you know, you worked on these shows, uh, especially Gilligan's, What what's one of the one or two questions you always get?
10: Well, it, it gets always back to Marianne or Ginger, that's the first
3: one, <laughs>
10: um, and then they always ask where the Howells got all the clothes, and where they went to the
3: bathroom.
10: (laughs) Those are probably... (laughs) They have a special hut for that, but we just never
11: showed it.
3: (laughs) You know, you always hear these urban legends that, you know, the professor wasn't supposed to be there, or that Marianne was supposed to be Ginger, and Ginger was supposed to be Marianne. Is there, like, you know, casting uh, vagaries like that?
10: Um, I haven't heard those particular ones. I I do know that... um, uh, Raquel Welch came in for Ginger, which was kind of interesting and wow, and uh, Dad thought she was a little too sexy for that part, but um <laughs> let me see i didn 't know that about the professor, but Russell Johnson was a really great guy i mean i I worked with you know all of them, and they're really really special, really good people, but he was he was kind of a slap on the back corny joke telling guy in real life, and he had to say all those very fancy professor kind of uh dialogue. And the only thing he asked Dad was uh, he just wanted to know that what he was saying made some semblance of truth or sense to it, so and then he would go ahead and do it.
3: So. Yeah, he wanted to tell a joke, but he was too busy making a phone out of coconuts, right? <laughs> 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 All right, uh, we're speaking with Lloyd Schwartz, the new play, Classic uh, Couples Counseling. This is a very interesting idea. Um, couples from... Shakespeare sit down with a, uh, a female psychotherapist, and you got Kate and uh, Petruchio. You got Lady and uh, Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, Otello and Desdemona, Hamlet, and Ophelia. Where did you come up with this? Because this is a pretty cool idea.
10: I think I think it came up. I came up with it when I was leaving my therapist's office. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know, I got my own problems," and then I thought about people who have real problems, and I said, "This is a very interesting idea." And then I just, I mean, it kind of writes itself. I mean, the idea, you know what their problems are from Shakespearean plays. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you're an audience member, you don't even have to know the Shakespeare, but you kind of know who these characters are. And what makes it more interesting, she's kind of a wacko therapist and doesn't give necessarily the best advice. And because of that, that's why all these characters die in the Shakespeare plays. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> there's a great, there's a, there's a group therapy scene where they're all, you know, getting mad at each other and. And Petruchio's hitting on Juliet, and I don't know. It's, it's a mess, but it's great fun.
3: So, uh, as you said, you don't need to come in and know who Ophelia is. Uh, you can uh, pick it up uh, cold, huh? Yeah.
10: Yeah, uh, there's, there's things in the plays for people who really know Shakespeare, but, it, but it's, uh, you don't have to know Shakespeare at all to know that Romeo, Romeo and Juliet are or Macbeth and Lady Macbeth.
3: And in a way, this kind of goes into the Shakespearean canon, right? It keeps building.
10: Let us hope. Let us hope. Let us hope that if, if anybody studies Shakespeare, they must see this play. I think. I hope it's an assignment
3: for somebody. You know, and I think back to the to the shows that you worked on, the shows that I grew up watching, and um, especially you know Happy Days and La- Laverne and Shirley and Three's, oh. Three's Company. It was. Uh, how was it that? The Schwartzes were so involved in all of these iconic hits. How did you guys i mean get your tentacles into all this stuff?
10: Um, I guess we're just really talented no, I, don't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was I was lucky because I worked on Brady with my dad and then uh, i I became a network executive and they would just assign me to these shows and it was it was kind of a glory day of, of situation comedy and i at one time I had four of the top five shows in the country so I wrote a letter to the president of the network saying we should be paid according to the ratings of our shows.
3: Mm-hmm.
10: Uh, I did not. I did not get a response to that letter. I remember that.
3: But wow. Oh well. You know, I remember "Love American Style" must have been fun to write for because yeah. it was just you know standalone sketches and, and little mini plays. And the one that I always mm-hmm. remember, for whatever reason, there was a guy on his honeymoon and he thought he made a mistake, so he was wearing a. Uh, uh, a bald cap and and over a wig, and he said, I'm going to show her that I'm really bald, and then she'll want to divorce me. And then he took off the wig. He goes, look, I'm bald. And she said, well, I still love you. And he goes, well, if she really loves me. And then he shaved his head for real. Do you remember that one?
10: No, but if I had written that, what I would have done was I would have had her take her wig off, and she's bald, too, and then see what would
3: have happened. <laughs> That's not too shabby. So when you look back and you, you know, you're going around the dial and, you know, Harbor Valley, PTA, Alice, you know, all those shows, the A team, Love Boat, another one of those American, you know, Love American style type of shows. Is there one that kind of sticks out as your like shining pride? Another one that sticks out that kind of like, "Uh, I'd rather forget about that.
10: Uh, there's one that I'd rather forget about, which I did the Munsters today. And, um, the Munsters was such a great show, and they asked me to do that. I didn't really want to do it, and then I said, well, there's a kind of interesting way to do it, which was that they went to sleep and they came back after 20 years so I could deal with how society has changed. But looking back, I probably should have not done that. But my favorite show, my favorite thing I ever worked on, actually, was the Brady Brides. After the Brady Bunch was off the air and then the girls came back, and it was a three-camera kind of an odd couple thing, and um, I really had a great time doing that. Uh, it was really funny, and... Uh, the Brady Bunch is interesting because it just keeps going. I mean, in different ways. And the, I did the feature films, and I, and I produced the the reality show where they got the house back and stuff. So I mean, I, and we have some new things coming up with Brady Bunch still.
11: So,
3: very cool. I guess that's new. And last question: do, do you, do you yeah. think that uh, this uh, the Tri C here, a classic couples counseling? Maybe we'll see it on Broadway.
10: You know, I, I've written lots of plays. I've been very fortunate to have done all kinds of musicals, and children's theater and everything. This is one that I think really does have Broadway potential. And so um, I'm hoping that uh, this one that we have in Los Angeles will intrigue people to make that next step. Because it's, I think it's uh, a unique concept.
3: It is very unique, and uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is called Classic Couples Counseling, a, a comedy play written by Lloyd J. Schwartz, which will be opening at Theater West in Los Angeles on April 1st. Lloyd, congratulations on the play. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. we got an open segment on the other side, so come on back on Byline.
12: The big stuff. Who do you think you are, stuff Big Stuff? You're never gonna get my love now because you wear all those fancy clothes. Oh yeah, and have a big fine car. Oh yes, you do now.
1: Do you need to sell your home?
13: 1759.
16: You must be crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: This is what had happened. Thank you for that. Rick Tittle with you. Coast to coast. Coming up in the next segment, we will have two participants of a show called Love Off the Grid. And uh, it's uh, the sequel to Naked and Afraid. No, I don't know. I made it up but it's on the discovery channel. Uh, just uh tweeting out uh my uh, a link to I say my latest interview with David Ortiz. Uh is my only one, unless I'm wrong. It's from 8 years ago. And uh I if you had asked me if I'd interviewed David Ortiz, I would have to say I never had. <clears throat> and I'm not happy about that. I don't I'm not proud of it. Um but uh then Somebody said, yeah, you asked him about Cespedes, and and then it started ringing a bell a little bit, but uh, no, I would have bet money. If you would have said 100 bucks. you interviewed Ortiz, I would have said there's no way. So, uh, highly memorable interview for me, <clears throat> but um, as I said, that guy that Karen Lyle brought in yesterday, he goes, what a treadmill. <laughs> I'll just put it like this to make myself feel better this isn't, but I just do so many famous people. How could I possibly, it'd be like asking Johnny Carson, you know, do you remember this celebrity? And he'd be like, no, I was too busy smoking, but you can uh, listen to that interview from 2014 uh, at, uh, at Rick Tittle. Uh, It was also tweeted out earlier at sports byline. I wasn't at it as the kids would say, don't at me or at me. And as we found out yesterday afternoon, Unfortunately, David Ortiz is going in by himself. And I think if you're a Red Sox fan, you probably like it. But that means all these other guys didn't get in. And we were actually discussing yesterday that maybe Ortiz was going to come in around 70%. Now, I would not have voted for Big Poppy because to me, he's just a a great DH and, uh, you know, really good clutch player. Great player it just and you gotta understand I do have a Boston biases but on the other biases, but on the other hand I also recognize when someone's fantastic. It's like John Elway who I share a birthday with not year, but day, he's older than me. Uh I don't like him. <clears throat> but I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So I have to give them their due, their dog due. Uh but uh when you look at Ortiz's number you'd say you gotta be an idiot. two eighty six Career hitter. 286 for a power hitter is insane. You would think he'd be around, you know, 258, 260. 541 home runs. 10 all-star games. Now, even though he's going in by himself, he's really not. He's going in by himself from the writer's vote and people that if you are a teenager, you've heard of. If you're a teenager, you've heard of Big Poppy. You might not have heard of Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, and Minnie Mignoso. This is supposed to take place on July 24th if uh, Upsilon or psi or Kai or whatever new variant I make it up names for doesn't ruin it. But uh, it's funny, Omicron was just getting started when Uh, At the beginning of December and the hotspot ground zero was New York City and so we were a little afraid that maybe Army Navy would get um, canceled like it had been the year before and this was going to be the best one ever because it was going to be on the USS Intrepid. Luckily it did happen and I was there and yes it was the best one ever. And I told the I told the president of US the CEO and president of USA who sat down with me and I said, You can do a hundred more of these and there's not going to be a cooler place to do it than the Intrepid. Unless it's like in the Oval Office or something. It's just <laughs> it's just not going to be a cooler place. And um <clears throat> so we were afraid and I remember we were like in communication with the people back there and we're like, This isn't getting called off, is it? And they're like, Why would it get called off? Because of the pandemic? Uh, you're vaxxed, right? I'm like, yeah, well, why would he get called off? I'm like, okay, I kind of feel like that the same thing for the Hall of Fame. Hope it happens. What do you mean you hope it happens? It's happening. you know if you're nervous, put a mask on, but it's happening so um, for posterity's sake, I think it should be noted that um you know players are eligible for the ballot. 5 years after retirement and then have to get 75% and then you can remain on the ballot for 10 years if you get at least 5% blah blah blah. We've been over that, we got it, right? So to get a hold of the uh the full uh Monty with the uh the holdovers by the way. And this is the thing there are guys who have now dropped off in their 10th and final year. And those players, most notably, are Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens for a decade. It's hard to believe Barry Bonds hasn't played for 10 years. Can you believe that? It feels like Barry Bonds was playing five or six years ago. But for a decade, we have said, oh, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Well, they never got to the 75%. There are 17 holdovers, and there were 13 newcomers. And so, if you think about the guys that are holding over, Kurt Schilling, um, you know he he's out. Barry Bonds is out, but Scott Rowland up to fifty three percent. Remember, I said there's no chance for Vizquel. He's still not at fifty percent. That's because of the domestic abuse allegations. Billy Wagner, 46. Todd Helton, 45. Gary Sheffield, 40. Andrew Jones, 34. Jeff Kent, statistically the best power hitter at his position in baseball history, 32%. Man Ram. Man Ram uh, has stats better than half the Hall, but because of the roids, he's at 28. Remember Big Poppy had the roid thing hanging over his head. Sammy Sosa is out. His last year was seventeen percent. Andy Pennett admitted to roids; otherwise, he might be in. He's at thirteen percent. Mark Burley eleven. Tory Hunter nine. Bobby Abreu eight. And Tim Hudson survived again at uh, five point two. So, <clears throat> it's uh, the the ceremony will take place on July twenty uh, fourth. Uh, by the way, so um, Barry Bonds, uh, if you you know if you if you appear to get your wish that they never got in, if you're super if you're super happy about it, you got to remember that in 2014, same year as that Ortiz interview, the Hall of Fame changed its rules for adduction. Because, what was the rule? And that was if you were around for five five percent you could stay for 15 years. You had to always be above 5%. Well, in 2014, they took those five years off. There are a couple that had been grandfathered in because Don Mattingly was going into his 15th year, and Alan Trammell and Lee Smith were also over 10 years. Everyone else on the cycle was there for the 15 years. But you'd say, well, Bonds and Clemens, that's less than 10 years ago. Yeah. And guess what? They weren't allowed to get grandfathered in, those two guys. Remember the late, great Joe Morgan wrote a letter to all Hall of Fame voters with an impassioned plea to avoid putting in steroid users? For whatever reason, there's been a line drawn from the so-called PED era from the Hall of Fame and the group of current Hall of Famers, which is, I think, quite a leap of hypocrisy. I mean, if you want to get into history, Pud Galvin, a Hall of Famer, by the way, in the 1880s was pumping monkey testosterone into his body. In Joe Morgan's era, it was greenies or amphetamines. Is there any group that's completely clean? You know, Bud Selig was the guy who was over all of this and he got put in by the Veterans Committee just contradicted himself all the time. He kept claiming, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. And then he went in front of Congress and said, yeah, we knew it was a problem. <laughs> I thought you said there wasn't. Seelig was an owner during the collusion scandal. You know, it's just, it, it, the Hall of Fame is a museum to celebrate baseball's greatness. Roger Clemens, most size, seven. Barry Bonds, most MVPs, most home runs. No one else even has three MVPs. Barry Bonds has seven MVPs. So is there a little bit of hypocrisy? Uh oh, maybe just a little teeny weeny bit. Come on back with some Discovery Channel. I'm Rick Tiddle.
12: in <laughs> Du mein schönes Felzerland
9: Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com.
1: 754 That's 800 754 When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy
18: fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Trying them today. Only at Wendy's. A participating U.S. Wendy's taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent
8: research company.
19: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting
20: is bad.
16: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Well, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world, on American Forces Radio Network. You know we have a great relationship with all the peeps over there at Discovery Channel and Discovery Plus streaming platform. And we welcome in a a pair uh, from the show Leaving Luxury for Love which is the uh, new series which tests the strength of relationships when people decide to live off the grid. We have Charlie Moore and Jen Taylor with us. Jen, ladies first. When I say off the grid, that can mean different things. That can mean anything from going to a food truck to being Ted Kaczynski in a shack. What what does it mean for you?
6: It means being in a shack where you are in a tiny 12 by 12 space essentially out in the woods with all the animals.
3: (laughs) And do you have to, it's
6: it's an intimidating to me.
3: So uh, just follow up question, Jen, what were, what were some of the things that were most intimidating when you, when you first arrived?
6: The idea of it, the idea of living, um, out in the woods where you, you don't have neighbors right there. For me, it was, it, it almost felt, um, you know, my, my very first worry was just the fear of, of animals and things that I'm not used to, stepping outside in the dark and, uh, you know, just those kinds of things. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just it's very unknown. There's a lot of unknowns. So I think for me, it was like a lot of unknowns and inconveniences and, and things like that that uh, worried me a bit.
3: So uh Charlie, did you have to wrestle with a bar?
21: Wrestle with a bar. <laughs> no, nah, they they they're pretty good about leaving quickly, you know. Uh they they stay curious, they get used to you a little bit and it it can be uh hair raising for somebody that hasn't ever experienced it. So uh not necessarily had to wrestle it but had to uh rustle it off the porch, we'll say.
3: Love off the grid, by the way, will be premiering on uh, Sunday, uh, January thirtieth. Charlie, for you, what were some of the things that uh, you, you kind of hearkened back to your ancestors of like, uh, you know, I got to fend for myself, I got to provide for my family. What were some of those challenges for you? Uh,
21: the challenges were, you know, packing up and being the prodigal son and heading out into um, into life and hunting around the world and fishing around the world and doing those things. And everywhere that I went, I was always going to places like I was from and the people that I'd always known and family members and spending time with them. And it really enlightened me on the, the blessing that I have here on the mountain and the blessing from my mom and my family to have a place like this and And, uh, so it just, it it kind of forced me, my, my life adventures forced me, not forced me, but made me realize I needed to get back home. And so when I got here and, um, you know, uh, reacquainted myself with the mountains, um, it, you know, getting the water going and the shed going and just the basic things that you need, where you know, you start to realize how spoiled you can be and, um, uh, it, that that was that was probably the biggest challenge for me, and and, and and I've learned a lot, and still got a lot to do. And Jen's taught me a lot by being here, of uh, how I can get better.
3: Now, this is another thing I think is very interesting, Jen. Is that you know putting a couple together in this situation is already intriguing. But correct me if I'm wrong. Charlie and you guys were together like 20 years ago. You broke up. But in the back of your mind, you kind of always thought that he was the one. So, what's that like getting back together after twenty years?
6: Yeah, well, it it was it was actually close to thirty years. Mm. We're twenty five years we didn't speak, and um, I think that was one of the reasons coming back across his path and us just out of the blue being you know, reacquainted and still having that um, strong connection that we had all those many years ago. And it kind of seeming like a meant to be situation just happened. We didn't search each other out on social media. We literally ran into each other at a wedding. And the timing was we were both single at the time. So just a very bizarre situation. So I think that helped me to go, okay, that I was faced with one strange occurrence that I need to decide to open this door back to Charlie again or shut it and not give it a chance and so then when I you know got to know him I'm like oh my gosh like having a relationship is actually living in a whole nother world and then we were faced with being able to do a show like this and so it was just it was kind of one thing after another where I kept being faced with all right do I do I open up this door and see what happens or do I shut it and and didn't just, you know, hmm. do what's easy, I guess. So um, I think that's what it, it was. It was one of those things that, you know, I'm going down this one path of my life and all of a sudden it takes a complete turn and it all started when I ran into Charlie again. And cool. here I am.
3: A mm-hmm. couple more questions for Charlie Moore and Jen Taylor. Love off the grid on uh, Discovery. Uh, so, Charlie, for you, now that I'm doing the couples therapy, um, <laughs> did, did, did you, when you got back together with Jen... Was it a thing like you know I'm not gonna let this get away from me? I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that Jen and I are together. Or is it the kind of thing where you're like, look, I live on the mountain. If you want to be with me, you got to come to my world. You got to live my way.
21: Good question. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do the la- the latter question first. Yes, it is come to the mountain and live my way and my lifestyle and that seems kind of um bullish in a way but um i have a calling here and i have my mom here and um it it was definitely you know i i kind of i wouldn't say drawing a line in the sand but um uh, because jen has a lot of responsibilities she's a professional she has these Young men in her family, um, that her four sons, and a family in Florida. So there was a um, there was a need for compromise, and I think that need for compromise uh, would be more for a, a space standpoint. So how I'm living now, um, you know, continuing to live off the grid, or even being better at living off the grid, and more of a modern rustic. Uh, um, I would say dwelling would be the goals I'm kind of, uh, or or the challenges I'm faced with now to make it where Jen is like, okay, well, this is great. I love it here. I love I love I love you. I love uh, you know wanting to make this work and the challenge and it and it makes it easier for uh, her boys to be part of it. So in that sense, I've I've changed direction. But in the sense of moving or going somewhere else. That uh, that's not going to happen.
3: And, that, Jen, that's something to keep in mind, too, is that you're not a mountain woman. You're like the rest of us. You might have gone camping now and then. So this is a huge shift for you, isn't it?
6: Huge shift. It's, it's a 180 from the way, direction I thought my life was going. So that's one of the challenges that, I'm, that I'm, I am faced with and have been faced with.
9: Do you ever think? The, do you ever think I need? That
6: we're working this out on television. We're working, <laughs> we're working this real issue out.
3: <laughs> so, so Charlie, if she says, "Look, we're going away for the weekend and we're staying at the Four Seasons," do you say, oh, cool, that'll be fun," or are you like, "Oh hell no, I gotta sleep uh, out in the woods"?
21: No, I'm I'm I, down for a, a little travel. A man needs a a little bit of uh, a different lifestyle in his life to keep the. Uh, the interest up of, of what's going on and, and to solidify uh, the fact that the way I live, I love it. And sometimes you got to get a little bit of the other to, to remind you of that.
3: So living off the land, that means you got to stock, kill, pack, cook, store your own meat. You got to trade with other people on the mountain. Maybe you got some weird characters. Maybe you got some good friends. What's that like when you uh, uh, have to just, you know, you have to live off your own guile and skill?
21: It's a, it's a lot of fun, but it can be laborious. And, you know, even in the old days, people packed the wagon up and went into town to get flour and tray and do some, some things. So, you know, um, it, we, I enjoy the banter and the characters that I've grown up with to know here and the relationships that I've developed. And I've actually become more active in, in trading with people and, you know, just to keep yourself from having to go to town just for a few things here and there. And, you know, I made a comment, um, that, uh, on the show about, you know, you, you really do. You think about it a lot more when you break an egg, you know, um, it's not like you just going
3: to run into town. Right. So, Jen, how is it for you that you're reconnecting, you're, you're, your life of luxury is over, but your life of love is rekindled, and there are cameras in your face? How do you <laughs> not <laughs> maybe act more passionate and more like a victim, maybe more shut off, maybe not saying what's really on your mind? How are you able to ignore the people that are breathing down your neck?
6: Well, it's not easy at first because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking I've, I'm working through this real relationship and this real, you know, lifestyle difference. And I, and I, and I, I think I'm trying to be present. It's bit, I'm trying to be as real as possible with my own emotion because, for me, I'm not acting on a show. I'm really putting myself in a position to see, one, can I live this way? Do I want to? can our relationship work? Is it worth it? You know, and, and it, it kind of all has happened as a whirlwind. And yet I have this, I had this great connection with this guy that I, that I loved and then didn't really speak to for 25 years. And all of a sudden he's in my face again. And so there's a lot of mixed emotions, but I am, I'm being open and so I think with the cameras being in my face, if I can get out of my head, head of that there's an actual camera in my face that's going to be showing, <laughs> you know, my struggles on, on television and just, you know, I didn't ask for this to happen. It just came into my lap. So I'm trying to be open to it the best I can, to be honest, and just see how it goes. So I've gotten a little more used to the cameras. Um, it helps that the, the production company and the, and the producers and the camera people, Are really good at what they do and they, and, and, you know, that made me feel comfortable and I could just really be present. So.
3: Well, the other thing is just a
6: wild thing.
3: Yeah. And I'll just leave you with this because whether you know it or not, Discovery Channel in many ways gets better numbers and more eyeballs than network television. So be ready to be wildly famous as well. That's the other thing we've been speaking with Charlie Moore and Jen Taylor, love off the grid, Discovery and Discovery Plus. Check it out on Sunday. Hey, you two, best of luck with the relationship. Thanks for stopping by.
21: Thanks,
3: Thank you. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Byline.
0: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you.
1: We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
13: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable?
1: Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo! I bet that would scare the heck out of you. <laughs> but seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa! That's ridiculous! Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra 600 you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
16: Rick Tittle always goes commando.
3: Thank you for that. We got another couple of hours to go. And um, I was just looking a little bit more about some of the other couples on this Luxury for Love show on Discovery Sunday. And uh, Jen and Charlie probably have the best chance to survive because of their history. And after talking to them, because it seems like uh, Jen's on board. But one of them is Josh and Angela. Josh is 27 and Angela is 57. That doesn't mean they can't have love, but they're in the desert. It's 120 degrees and it showed him drinking a coffee on the front porch of their little shack and then taking one step, pulling his pants down and taking a dump. Now, here's the thing. If you want to live off the grid, build an outhouse. If you don't want to build an outhouse, then you take a long walk like where I can't see you anymore. Go over the crest of the horizon if you're just going to take. But if you're going to walk off the front porch and take a dump literally a yard from my shack, that's just stupid. Um, another one, <clears throat> this guy Joseph asks Maisha to raise his goats and then he says, oh, yeah, there's another woman coming in and we're going to live as a threesome. So that would be a commitment, too. Wait, I got to raise your goats. I thought that was the hard part. So uh, anyway, maybe you're disgusted by all of this and you won't watch or maybe you're super intrigued or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. The Discovery Channel, Love Off the Grid, a commercial based on a true story by Rick Tittle. Now, all right, we got two more hours to go. 1 800 878 Play is the uh, number to call comedian Steph Sanders coming up on the other side. We'll see you in a second.
9: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
22: The International Monetary Fund is adjusting a faulty economic prediction. The IMF gives economic advice to countries around the world and monitors risk to financial stability. The Washington-based lender on Tuesday cut its global growth forecast for 2022 by half a percentage point to 4.4%. Predicted inflation in advanced economies would be 3.9% in 2022, a 1.6 percentage point higher than anticipated in October. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen.
16: Noting that COVID and supply chain disruptions to the economy are not really expected to disrupt economic growth.
22: The National Baseball Hall of Fame added a member to its upcoming 2022 class, Boston Red Sox-designated hitter David Ortiz. Left out again were Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. USA Radio News.
20: You've seen crazy diets to lose weight?
22: Natural immunity from COVID-19 is better than most experts anticipated.
19: Natural immunity to COVID-19 was far more effective against the Delta variant than vaccines alone, according to a recent CDC study. The study looked at COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in California and New York between May and November of 2021, determining that numbers were highest among unvaccinated people who hadn't been previously diagnosed with the virus. By the week of October 3rd, the study said case rates were 29 times lower for unvaccinated Californians with a previous diagnosis. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
22: The four-day work week is nowhere close to becoming reality, despite support from corporate America, media coverage, and intense interest worldwide. But now with worker shortages, this spring, 35 companies in the United States and Canada will give four 10-hour days a week a go. USA Radio News.
15: Even as we continue to prioritize diplomacy and dialogue, we must also increase readiness. That as of now, the decision has been made to put these units on higher alert and higher alert only. No decisions have been made to deploy any forces from the United States at this
22: time. Spokesperson John Kirby at the Pentagon's announcement this week. Retired Air Force Brigadier General and Deputy Military Representative to NATO, Blaine Holt on Newsmax, Response to the Russian-Ukraine crisis.
23: NATO is making some movements. There's some don- donations across the alliance right now for forces. But what I think Vladimir Putin definitely understands is, is that we're very unpredictable in the West and we can turn on a dime. And just because we seem to be taking one course of action, one that I would not prescribe, um, we-, we can move in another direction altogether very quickly. And I, I know his generals apprise him of that. Well, I-, I think we're going to have to increase our overall defense and force posture in Europe long term. Uh, We certainly have the forces that we can bring to bear to make a meaningful commitment on those borders immediately, and I do think that we should do so. Um, There is an expectation on the Russian side that with their presentation of forces, we would. Um, we, We are keeping them in a place where they see that we are militarily now moving in their direction, and they need to see that, but that's not where this avoidable war gets solved. And that is the word I would stress.
22: Mr. Holt also questioned the decision to move U.S. diplomatic personnel out of the Ukraine. I'm Lance Pride, USA Radio News.
3: Welcome back to the program, Rick Tittle with you, talking sports on Sports Byline. That's how it works. 1-800-878-PLAY to get in and get heard. 1-800-878-7529. My uh, interview with uh, David Ortiz, eight years ago, is up on my Twitter, at Rick Tittle, if you'd like to look. I've never really cared about television ratings and people saying, oh, they're down, they're up, who cares? But sometimes they do point to something, and that is America's obsession with football. On Saturday night, the Niners and the Packers got 37 million viewers. That's 40% more than the game they showed in that time slot last year, Ravens-Bills. It was the Most watched television event on a Saturday night since the 94 Olympics in Lillehammer, Norway. Remember that? And then Sunday, the Bills Chiefs Classic. We like to throw that word around classic, but it was World Baseball Classic. 42.7 million. The highest mark of any game all year and the most watched divisional game since Packers-Cowboys five years ago. And that was a 21% increase from last year's game in that team, uh, same slot, which was Buccaneers-Saints. Rams-Bucks got $38 million. That was NBC's most-watched game other than the Super Bowl since it got back into the business of, of the NFL in 20, uh, 2006. Um... suffice to say, this is the first year in over 20 years that three games have had at least 40 million viewers, and we're just now going to the conference championship. Um, The only game during the regular season that got 40 million views was Raiders-Cowboys on Thanksgiving. But suffice to say, America loves football. This is our national sport, uh, for better or for worse. We already knew that, but this really drives it home. All right, we got two more hours. Comedian Steph Sanders on the other side. Come on back.
18: When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries.
6: This whole wall needs to be shelving, too. This is a focal point in our restaurant.
5: Leilani's new restaurant will have the largest wine cellar in the city. She needs a robust sommelier with notes of procurement manager. Indeed can help her hire hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
21: Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick Tunnel.
3: All right, check me out. Syndicated nationally out of San Francisco, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. You know I love it when the comedians come to town to uh, the Punchline or Cobbs. We like to get them on. And at Cobbs tonight, it is the Barely Tall Enough Tour. It's going to be four comedians, and we're waiting on all four. But right now we have Steph Sanders and Willis Turner Let's start with you, Steph. Barely tall enough, tour. Is it what I think it is? You guys are maybe under six foot.
24: Yes, we are under five, five, six and under. Uh, we have one that thinks he's a little bit taller than everybody else. He's the the uh, the shack of the tour, Mr. Kente Scott. But we're all yes, are vertically challenged, and we we like to call it the BTE tour. That sounds more like a
3: boy band, <laughs> and that's what we like. So you know, we,
14: none man, of us can I, dance. I don't, I don't. I don't think I'm <laughs> under over five six. I definitely.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, we have everybody now. Kente Scott and PB Smiley join Steph Sanders and Willis Turner. So, just so we know who's talking, let's go to you, Willis. How did you get involved with uh, with these guys?
14: Uh, I put on my platform shoes so I could be tall enough to get on, <laughs> barely tall enough to.
12: <laughs>
14: <laughs> but I've known uh, I've known these guys from comedy, and uh, they're all good guys. Some of them are crazy, and some of them need medication. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And Kente. uh, By the way, I I like the first name, but do you know any other Kentes?
14: Uh, I've I've heard of a few other Kentes, uh, but I I believe I'm the oldest one on the planet. Still (laughs) living. I love it.
3: So, how did you get your start in in comedy, Kente?
14: my mother came to L.A. when I was at UCLA and was like, "I'm not leaving until you get on stage somewhere." And after a week, I was like, "Oh, she's serious. So maybe I should go somewhere and try these jokes out." So went over to the comedy store, did three minutes, and they laughed enough for me to keep trying it.
3: Wow, that's great. Was uh, yeah. was that in the days of Mitzi or Pauly, or was it- yes,
14: that was Mitzi Shore. Uh, Pauly was was around there, but Mitzi was was running the comedy store, so. You always had the hope that she would be in the back, but she was, but you
3: couldn't talk to her. So did Mitzi say, say, okay, you can call for avails, like something like that?
14: Yeah, come back next week, do another three minutes, we'll see how
3: (laughs) it (laughs) goes. And we also have PB Smiley uh, with us. And uh, PB, uh, I just automatically think peanut butter. Do you get that a lot? (laughs) PB?
24: PB, we, we, we lose you, PB?
3: He hung up when I said wow. peanut butter.
14: <laughs> That's how peanut butter is. You <laughs> got,
3: got that cricket wireless he over got there. The, yeah, he... <laughs> sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes it's chunky. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. we got a little chunky. So, Steph, uh, are you, uh, without embarrassing you, are you kind of the leader of this crew?
24: I, I almost said we all, we all <laughs> are the leaders of this crew. However, I, I started it and kind of, um, you know, ca- comprehending the name and everything and then got these guys I said, I got four, three funny friends who are quality and we need to be out there more. We, it's our turn. And I said, uh, hey, I'd be honored if you guys join me on this tour and this venture. And that's what that's what I did.
3: Well, and you think about yeah. this too. Uh, Willis, I mean, San Francisco is one of the great comedy towns and Cobbs is the big room in town. And, you know, this is where Robin Williams, Dana Carvey, everybody, all these guys got their start. What's it like and not just doing some bowling alley, but actually doing Cobbs? What? Great doing It's, co-
14: it's, <laughs> it's great doing Cops. Come on, where, where else would I want to be? I mean, I might as well go down to the Seven Eleven and do comedy by the Snickers. <laughs> 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 if I can't be at Cops, like I'm in San Francisco, I might as well go. The, the legendary Cops. Exactly, mm-hmm. legendary Cops. What else am I going
24: to do? I mean,
14: I'm, I'm really thrilled. I love doing Cops. And Cops has the best
24: green thing. room in the business. Mm.
14: It, Two video games
24: does. and the best food. Wow. Oh, they got
14: video games? I might miss my set. Right, exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah, I am I did We the, all
14: may miss that set.
3: <laughs> so you don't want to do a set in a 7-Eleven by the Big Bites?
14: <laughs> nah. Hey, don't disrespect the Big Bites. Big Bites. Quarter pound Big Bites go hard.
3: I had a whole discussion one time with Keith Robinson about the Big Bites. And, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're actually not that bad. I hate saying They it.
14: are Delicious.
3: And I don't know about nutritious, but they are delicious. And no, no,
14: I won't say that. I, I, I stop at delicious. If stomach <laughs> can handle it, then you're good to go. I'm gonna right, throw it out right. one
3: more time. PB Smiley, are you connected, sir?
14: Can you hear me? There yeah, you yeah, are. Can hear you, PB. <laughs> oh, okay. My, my bad. I didn't know. I was. I'm taking a walk. I didn't yeah. know if I was, wrong. I you're was on. You're on. You're on. Oh, good, good. I thought I was just listening to
24: people. Okay. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> live.
3: No, you're it's one of the radio, you, PB. You got to talk. You it's, it's you actually so got to, it. You got to get on stage tonight. You're not in the crowd.
24: You yeah, gotta excuse yeah. PB. PB has a pager. He just got a phone. <laughs> like last week. He, just tried to link, he just tried to get on Zoom with us two just, way. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on the sidekick. So hey,
4: hey, hey, y'all might be right. I gotta, I gotta get up to date.
3: So PB, PB, where are you from? How do you know all these guys?
14: Oh, I'm from uh, Milwaukee. I met uh, Steph first in like 01, 102 two, and uh, I moved out here in L.A. about 26 years ago, mm-hmm. and I met Steph first. And then I remember meeting Kente at a room I had called Smile for Me Tuesdays, back in like 2010. And uh, I met Willis. I think. Uh, where did we meet Willis? You were similar to what you was mentioning the 7-Eleven. What was you? 2010. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> see, see, see now he now he ain't on now he ain't on now where he at? I'm I'm on I'm on I'm I'm just right here. I just put it on mute since I ain't walking nowhere. <laughs> Oh,
20: but y'all can you hear me walking?
3: Y'all can hear me walk? Well, hey, hey, you breathing. Hey PB, hey PB, you
14: breathing hard. We PB, let us know you're walking.
3: PB, you got to you got to get on a plane right quick here, right?
14: Yeah, man, I got to get the exercise in first. <laughs> <laughs> then go to blood class.
3: So Kente, what do you think of the Bay Area as a town, man? Uh, how do you uh, you know? Because where are you from, and what do you think of the Bay?
14: Oh. Uh, that's my home. I'm born and raised in Oakland, so oh, all right. this is uh this is me coming home and 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 seeing my folks. So everybody that's like, when you come back to the Bay today, I'm coming back today. Thanks. So you wow. got no excuses. We're, so I, I love it. You I'm know, a I'm a every East time Bay guy. I get home is the best.
3: Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. from I'm from Richmond. Where did you go to high school in Oakland?
14: I went to St. Mary's in, in uh, Berkeley. Uh,
3: I went to Salesian.
14: Oh, you went to Salesian. Yeah, we used to be for y'all. What what year
3: did <laughs> what, what year did you graduate?
14: Uh, I graduated what eighty seven.
3: Okay, I graduated eighty three. So my coach. Okay,
14: you, you graduated my sister with my sister.
3: I was she coaching names. Yeah, I was coaching football then. So I, if you played football, I probably coached against Joe. Yeah. Oh
14: yeah. wow. Yeah, we co- uh, we I played against you as a coach. I mean, as a player and you as a coach. Yeah, we had a uh, shag as the coach. Couldn't stand him.
3: Yeah, shag. <laughs> w- well, shag was my coach because he was at Salesian for all the By the way, yeah. the, the rest of you can put it on mute, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> go about your business. Yeah, right I don't even know talent. why. You know what? Right. I'm gonna
14: hang up. I got I got another plane I got to push out. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
14: no, yeah, shag was your coach before he came over to uh Saint Mary's.
3: Yeah, that's too funny. Wow, Kente Scott, I got to go over there and look for your statue.
14: Yeah, you should, you know. They owe me one.
3: <laughs> Did were you There a- is
14: a statue of Kente. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, uh, Steph, as we wrap it up, people who are going to head over to Cobb's tonight, 8 o'clock, for the Barely Tall Enough Tour, what should they be ready for?
24: Every, laughter, fun, uh, all four different. This was, is this was what I love about this tour. All four of us headline any and everywhere, and we all have four different perspectives and points of view, and all of us are hysterical and funny. So you're going to see a quality show, four different points of view, four different uh, kinds of funny, and you're going to laugh your butts off. We got a, a guest host tonight. I try to get hosts who are over six foot because that makes it hilarious. So we have an over Does six she? foot Amazon woman, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gloria Maganya is hosting tonight. So special guest host, it's gonna be funny tonight. It's, yeah, it's heard it name Sound tall.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say you get <laughs> like you Sound get
24: tall, right? <laughs> yeah, she Magana, yeah, Magana, she, is, <laughs> she is six two. So yeah, that'd be funny. She wow. in this corner. <laughs>
3: It'd be funny if you got like Brian Post saying like six six to like MC it. Hey,
24: he's, gonna, he's when we when we uh, when we go to his city, he's gonna do
3: it. Oh, awesome! Great yeah. stuff. It's the barely tall enough tour. Get tickets at cobscomedy.com. uh Live Nation, or just show up over there down on Columbus Street, eight o'clock tonight. And we have been speaking to the uh, the main protagonists: Steph Sanders, Oakland Zone, Kente Scott, Willis Turner. And the the pride of Milwaukee, PB smiley. That's right. Gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. I have a great show, man. Let's talk Thank you. soon. Right.
24: Thanks for having Thank us, Thank you. Us, buddy. you. All, right. All,
12: All right, good stuff. I'm Dallas, Rick Tittle. Texas,
3: baby. All right, we'll take a shout out, Dallas, Big D. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
16: About anything else, when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
3: All right, uh, thank you for that, and uh, for you young broadcasters out there, try having four guys on the phone. You gotta, you gotta take control, man. You gotta say, "All right, you talk now, you talk." You gotta try it. But that was a lot of fun. Check it out if you're at uh, Cobb's. This hour is open the rest of the way, and I have guests booked for the entire third hour. So if you're feeling a little bit froggy. Pick up the phone. But first, I would like to tell you about a very impressive product that you need to get. And that is Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. No visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable, and they're made in the USA. They prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. That's BlueChew.com. Red Chew? No, that's in Russia. Blue Chew. All right. We'll leave that part off the end when we send it to the client. Sean Payton, as we found out during the show yesterday, is stepping away from coaching, and it was pretty funny when I put out a little feeler that maybe the Raiders should get him. And uh oh, by the way, it is time now for your blue a sports update. <laughs> Sean Payton has stepped away from the Saints, and that's your Blue com sports update. I don't know. Have fun editing that. I'm really sorry I threw you that curveball, Dominic. But uh my bad. All right, <laughs> live radio. Here I am pontificating to the youngsters out there while I choke. But Sean Payton, it's funny when I put out the tweet saying, let's get him. And somebody like, most overrated coach ever. Arrogant, bad clock management, bad decisions. There are only three coaches in the NFL that have more wins than him. Active, Belichick, Reed, and Tomlin. He has a Super Bowl championship for the most moribund franchise in the history of the NFL. And I'll never forget... Uh, because the Saints were the Aints. They used to have bags over their heads. Bags over their heads, I'm telling you. There was no way the Saints would ever win a Super Bowl. This is not going to happen. And so when you think about <laughs> what he was able to do with Drew Brees and, and others, it's pretty astounding. Like, if you think pick Pete Carroll's a good coach, Pete Carroll... Has the same amount of wins, 152, and he has 15 more losses. That's a whole season of losses. So, you know, Sean Payton, I think if the Dallas job was available, he would jump back to the Cowboys again. Who's to say that after telling McCarthy he's going to be back as Stephen Jones did, they might not do that anyway? It was like when the Chicago Cubs said, we really like Ricky Renteria. We're going to keep him for another year. And then Friedman and Madden got into it in Tampa Bay. And so he's like, I'm out. And they go, hey, Ricky, remember when we said we like you? We found somebody better. (laughs) It's like Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, will you marry me? Actually, you're beautiful, but I kind of like Angelina Jolie better. I thought you loved me. I thought I did too. Really sorry about that. But, oh, he's so overrated. They're the saints. They're a joke. I remember I found out then they were an expansion team when I was a kid, believe it or not. And I never knew what expansion team meant. The first time I heard the term, I think I was in the third or fourth grade, and we had this guy, Sydney something. He was a teacher in the Richmond Unified School District where I was. And he came to class to talk. He was an African American guy. He was about 300 pounds, like six foot six, wearing a suit. And he said, I played for the New Orleans Saints. And we were like, oh, wow. You know, this is like 1974 or something. And <clears throat> back then, you just sort of took your his word for it. Like, you know, I was at Gettysburg, I was at Little Round Top, I was with the 4th Massachusetts. Oh, wow. I mean, how can you prove it or disprove And, uh, but my buddy who knew more about sports than I did, he was the same guy who'd say, Hey, did you listen to the A's game last night? Because it was, uh, the A's were almost never on TV. No baseball team was, it was a game of the week on NBC, the Cardinals and the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox. So I, uh, (laughs) I remember I tried listening. It's so funny being that I was the guy that the fans would call pre and post. Well, I mostly call post. Wouldn't really work pre. That uh, I tried listening to the game on the radio when I was like eight years old and I thought I was going to die a thousand deaths. I mean, it was just like cutting open an apple and watching it turn brown. But anyway, he was a little bit ahead of me when it came to sports fandom. And he asked the guy, he goes, so you, you were on the Saints active roster. He's like eight years old. You know, are you on the Saints active roster? And he's like, uh, uh, and he could have just lied. I kind of give him credit. He's like, well, you know, I, I, I tried out for the Saints. So you got drafted. No. And back then they're like 15 rounds. No, I, uh, but I was invited to camp and I, I tried out. So did you make the team, uh, in the preseason, I was on the team. And he said, so you're telling me that you got cut by an expansion team. And the guy went, well, let's move on. I remember asking him, I go, what's an expansion team? (laughs) But that's the Saints. To me, they still are an expansion team. And Peyton, um, you know, Bill Belichick now is the longest tenured coach, you know, and he was tied with Pete Carroll as second was, uh, was Peyton. But he's won nine playoff games. And you think, oh, big deal. Big deal? You know who else won nine playoff games? Madden and Flores with the silver and black. If you're not impressed by that, how about Paul Brown? And if you're not impressed by that, how about Vince Lombardi? Now, there were less rounds of playoffs, but still nine playoff wins. This is a team that I mentioned was an expansion team, 1967. And before Peyton got there in 2006, 40 years, they had been to the playoffs five times. And with him, they went to the playoffs nine times. And they went to three NFC championship games, and they won seven division titles, the South, in the NFC. But, yeah, I mean, Peyton in the Super Bowl notoriously called for the earliest attempted onside kick in, in history to start the second half, and the Saints got it, and they outscored the Colts 21-7. That was the high point. The low point was, of course, Bounty Gate, which a lot of people, that's 10 years ago now, folks, 2012. And that was from a scandal from three years earlier. But if you look at what have you done for me lately, four consecutive home playoff losses including that horrifying one to the Rams. We remember that one. P.I., not P.I., that is the question. So we'll remember Peyton's time in New Orleans with his prolific partnership with Drew Brees, who did get an MVP. Brees won seven passing titles. He's second to Tom Brady all-time in passing yards. Second to Tom Brady, all-time in touchdown passes, 571. So now they're saying in New Orleans, who's going to replace him? Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator. Did you not see what happened in Oakland? Dennis Allen is a serviceable coordinator. He's not head coach material. Now you could say, well, that's what happened to Shanahan with the Raiders, and he went on to good things. Okay, maybe. This is a roster that's $74 million over the salary cap. But you got a lot of free agents. And who's your quarterback, by the way? You gave Taysom Hill all that money, and then you start Trevor Simeon over him. Jameis Winston, are you bringing him back? Ian Book, your your emergency quarterback? So um, what I'm trying to say is I would like Sean Payton to come on over to the Raiders. And uh, if you're a little arrogant, who cares? Just win, baby. I think that's the mantra we have. Come on back.
7: How is your car payment treating you? call rate genius
1: now 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 that's 800-811-7913 not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings actual offer terms including apr are determined at the time of your application based on
0: creditworthiness, value of the vehicle loan term and other factors if you're taking a calcium supplement it's probably not doing what you think it is
1: That's 800-693-8290. I'm just a caveman. Your
17: world frightens and confuses me.
16: (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY.
8: But I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy.
15: You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. Why are you go to hell? No, you go to hell. Why are you there? Why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that.
4: Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm
15: not.
3: All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We have an open uh, segment. If our guests show up in the third hour, this will be the last open segment. So get in. What was that number again for the 5,000th time? 1-800-878-PLAY. Emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. This is from Jeremy. Rick, say it ain't so, Dennis Allen. I have not heard that. Well, listen, Allen has been identified as the guy. That's what Ian Rappaport said. And he has been with the Saints for a uh, a long time. He was a he started off there the defensive line coach uh like 15 years ago. And then left for the uh the Donkeys and then was the um uh, for one year. Raider head coach for three years. Then he went right back to New Orleans and was promoted to defensive coordinator. And he's been defensive coordinator for like six years. And as I said, they're a good, he's a good, serviceable coordinator. But uh, other guys being rumored remember, there are so many openings. This is a name I haven't seen yet for all the other openings now, and that is Aaron Glenn. Wasn't he the first American in space? That was John Glenn. Glenn is another name that they know in New Orleans. He was their defensive backs coach before becoming the defensive coordinator of the Lions last year. We remember Aaron Glenn as a very good corner who ended his career with the Saints. Uh, He has interviewed with the Broncos to be a head coach. I did not see that. Then you get Brian Dable, Brian Dable, the OC of Buffalo. You're going to have to work fast if you want him. You can basically the the minute the Bills um, pick up the phone and say, "Yeah, go ahead," you got to get in on it. Eric Bieniemy, if you want another offensive-minded coach, he would be the one. You know, we're hearing rumors now that, um, and it makes sense. And I was mentioning it. I don't think anybody else would probably. Not notice either, and that is that uh, uh, Byron Lefwich is interviewing with the Jags, and you think about his time there as a player and all the attention that he's garnering under Bruce Arians, that could be uh, cool too. Speaking of Bruce Arians and the announcement of uh, the retirement of Sean Payton, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with Tom Brady. And um, he said, I understand that at this stage of my career, there's going to be interest in my future whenever a season ends. But this week, all that is on my mind is the gratitude I have for this team and the fans that have supported us all year long. This year has been incredibly rewarding personally and professionally, and I am appreciative of everyone who worked their ass off to help this team achieve so much. I always want to win. I think that's pretty apparent by now, but that doesn't mean that I equate losing to failure, especially... If you go out fighting the way we did. Uh, and he concludes, there's so much to appreciate in a season like this when you're surrounded by a team that believes in each other, plays for the people, standing on either side of them. I'll spare you the man in the arena quote, but that is a feeling, is something that I promise I'll never take for granted. To everyone that was part of this year, thank you. I love you all. Man in the arena is a thing I kept seeing advertised on ESPN+. Plus. I have no interest in watching that. Just a fluff piece. Look, we know you're good. I don't I don't need to see it. Um, but he talked about how Giselle doesn't like seeing him get hit. You know, you, you probably shouldn't say stuff like that. I don't think anybody's wag wife and girlfriend likes seeing them or, you know, significant other, Carl Nassib and others. Guys who are in the closet. I don't think anybody if you care about someone, you don't like seeing them get hit. But if when you say it like that, you almost turn it into some sort of like Yoko Ono Jezebel. <laughs> Damn it, it's all because of her, but getting back to Sean Payton, as I said the he's been linked to America's team for so long, and he was a coach there for three years as an assistant and Jerry Jones did not endorse Mike McCarthy especially after that wild card loss to the Niners, 18 and 15 in the last two years. We know Dak missed a lot of time. That's the ideal situation, but you know, like Stephen Jones, well, who cares what Stephen Jones said? That would be one. Uh, Peyton spent four years with the New York Giants as the quarterback coach, and then he was Jim Fossil's offensive coordinator. Uh, for those of you who forgot, and New York isn't nearly ready to contend as Dallas. It's had nine losing seasons in the last 10 But this new executive, they got Joe Schoen. Joe Schoen from Buffalo. That'd be a good splash for them. I mentioned that uh, the whole thing about, well, maybe give Rich Bisacha a full season. Aren't you tired of all the morass? Keyword ass. And all the clown show that is the Raiders. No. Um remember Tom Cable saying that he and Sean Payton, when they were assistants or graduate assistants at UCLA, they would sleep on their car at the beach. I think he's come a long way since then. But people are like, you know, Sean Payton's from the West Coast. So what? That's such a, it's such a stupid thing to bring up. That's like if I was up for a coaching position and it was the Seahawks, <laughs> you know, and the Dolphins. Well, Tittle would probably go to the Seahawks because he's a West Coast guy. Seattle is bum F Egypt to me. I'm more familiar with New York city than I am Seattle. I don't know. It's only a short flight, short flight to what? To your cousin's wedding. You're not going to go to, I don't know. I, I've i never understood that, you know, people make connections. They have the same agent. They're going to the same team. He's, he got off the plane. He's looking for houses. All right. Maybe there's something there. But he's a West Coast guy. Do you know what I think of L.A.? This is what I think of L.A. Actually, this is what I think of L.A. That's on my little sound maker. That wasn't a real one. This one is. Now, Tittle's a West Coast guy, man. He'll go to L.A. I know, yeah, have I been to L.A. a million times? Yeah, but I I like L.A. as much as I like Atlanta, and I've never been to Atlanta. (laughs) And then, of course... The Chicago Bears. There's something about the Bears <clears throat> that just, maybe you got to be my age. I don't know. It still resonates. And I'm not even talking about 85. I'm just talking about the name, the Chicago Bears, the Hallis family, Soldier Field, one of the biggest cities in America. There's still some mojo to the Chicago Bears and a lot of people said um that you know with the Matt Nagy situation if he leaves and uh, you know Ryan Pace the the GM is finally gone and uh, they got their uh, new guy by the way the Vikings today have fi- uh, hired their new general manager it's the former now former Cleveland Browns vice president of football ops Quasey Adolfo Mensa. He's supposed to be really uh, smart and not hurting having Mensa in your name. Quasi Adolfo Mensa. And he's from New Jersey and he replaces Rick Spielman, who was there 16 years, last tennis GM. He had two interviews with Minnesota, he had one interview with the Bears. And his first responsibility, obviously, is to get a head coach. But this is a guy, this is the new trend, Parag Marate. David Forrest, this is the new trend. A Princeton graduate with a bachelor's in economics. And then he got his master's at Stanford. And so it was the Niners that gave him his start nine years ago, nine years ago, they made him manager of football research and development. How about that? And then he was with the Niners that whole time until two years ago. And the Browns GM, Andrew Barry brought him in. But over the last two years, a lot of people say that Adolfo Mensa has played an uh, integral role in the rejuvenation of the Cleveland franchise. Now you might say, how are they rejuvenated? How are they rejuvenated? How's Owen 16 and 1 and 15 to being a playoff contender now? I call that a rejuvenation. I mean, their first postseason victory since 95. And um, they had a lot of, uh, they didn't have a great year. There were a lot of injuries who didn't have one. And they were eight and nine. But the thing about Adolfo Mensa, they're saying is analytics. But analytics at a tangible angle. He said when he was with Cleveland, quote, we are trying to win on the margins, and so we are trying to extricate every little winning possible advantage that we can find across our football operations and use the evidence to support that. So Minnesota had narrowed its search to the Chiefs executive director, um, Ryan Poles, who went to De Beers, and Adolfo Mensa, And they had also considered the Eagles personnel director, Brandon Brown, uh, the Browns vice president, Glenn Cook and the Eagles vice president of football operations, Catherine Raich. Remember, we reported that the first female ever to be uh, interviewed for a GM role. And, and sometimes I wonder, you know, in today's world, and because in the old days, you just say, oh, that guy got hired because he's white. That guy got hired because he knew somebody. It's a good old boy club. Now I kind of think when you announce to the world, we're interviewing a, a woman. If you went ahead and just hired a just a guy named Bob Smith, some white guy, it's like, what happened to that whole woman thing? It's almost like, well, we have to make a diverse hiring at this point. Uh, what they're getting is a real good guy, but I just wonder, like, the the pressures that these, com- these companies feel now. I know someone who works for a massive insurance company, and they have had a hiring freeze on Caucasians for over two years now, because they just the numbers were they just were way too white. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Um, Elliot Wolf, also interviewed in Minnesota, and John Spytech. You got to love that name. You should be working at the Pentagon if your name is Spytech. So now the NFL <clears throat> has seven black GMs Chris Greer in Miami, Brad Holmes in Detroit, Martin Mayhew in Washington, Terry Fontenot in Atlanta, uh, Barry Poles, and Adolfo Mensa. And there was that new rule to encourage minority hiring instituted by the NFL two years ago. And uh, the Browns, by the way, get um, two third-round picks for losing him. That's not bad. So they're saying, if you develop a minority candidate and he gets hired away, you get two third-round picks. Third-round picks are important. Once you get to the fourth round, you kind of add. But a third-round pick is still pretty important. So um, the Raiders are the only team right now Without a GM, so you can have your uh, pick of the punch at this point. Let's take a quick break. We'll come on back on Byland.
1: Car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars calling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra 600 you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744.
13: That's 800-756-3744.
16: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: All right, uh, we got our number three coming up. George Gamble, Jonah Joao, and Naomi McDougal Douglas. I never heard of any. Shut up. You might remember the greatest game ever played between the Colts, or, well, you could say the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Um, and there was a jackass that ran onto the field, and Stefan Diggs knocked him down. Apparently, we've found out why it was a thousand-dollar bet. It's a twenty-year-old guy. I won't say his name, but how did we find out that it was a thousand-dollar bet from a TikTok? Okay, I mean it's just all. (laughs) I think we're very close to the end of civilization. I think is what I'm trying to say. Very, very close to the end of civilization. I <laughs> ran onto the field during the playoff game for $1,000 and let me explain it on TikTok. I do remember when the Giants won the World Series in 2010, there was a guy, people were burning cars. Oh yeah, it was a good excuse for ne'er-do-wells to let loose. Big baseball fans, not But a guy set fire to a munibus. That's the San Francisco Municipal Railway. It's an antiquated term, but it's basically the bus system in San Francisco. And by the way, the worst bus system on earth and worse than any third world. But he set fire to the bus, and then he put it on his Facebook page. I'm the guy that did it. How did you catch me, Popo? I don't know. How did we catch you? A $1,000 bet from TikTok. That's the name of my new podcast. Come on back.
9: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
22: The International Monetary Fund is adjusting a faulty economic prediction. The IMF gives economic advice to countries around the world and monitors risk to financial stability. The Washington-based lender on Tuesday cut its global growth forecast for 2022 by half a percentage point to 4.4%. Predicted inflation in advanced economies would be 3.9% in 2022, a 1.6 percentage point higher than anticipated in October. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen.
16: Noting that COVID and supply chain disruptions to the economy are not really expected to disrupt economic growth.
22: The National Baseball Hall of Fame added a member to its upcoming 2022 class, Boston Red Sox-designated hitter David Ortiz. Left out again were Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. USA Radio News.
20: You've seen crazy diets to lose weight?
22: Natural immunity from COVID-19 is better than most experts anticipated.
19: Natural immunity to COVID-19 was far more effective against the Delta variant than vaccines alone, according to a recent CDC study. The study looked at COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in California and New York between May and November of 2021, determining that numbers were highest among unvaccinated people who hadn't been previously diagnosed with the virus. By the week of October 3rd, the study said case rates were 29 times lower for unvaccinated Californians with a previous diagnosis. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
22: The four-day work week is nowhere close to becoming reality, despite support from corporate America, media coverage, and intense interest worldwide. But now with worker shortages, this spring, 35 companies in the United States and Canada will give four 10-hour days a week a go. USA Radio News.
15: even as we continue to prioritize diplomacy and dialogue we must also increase readiness that as of now the decision has been made to put these units on higher alert and higher alert only no decisions have been made to deploy any forces from the united states at
22: this time spokesperson john kirby at the pentagon's announcement this week retired air force brigadier general and deputy military representative to nato blaine holt on newsmax Response to the Russian Ukraine crisis.
23: NATO is making some movements. There's some don- donations across the alliance right now for forces. But what I think Vladimir Putin definitely understands is, is that we're very unpredictable in the West and we can turn on a dime. And just because we seem to be taking one course of action, one that I would not prescribe, um, we-, we can move in another direction altogether very quickly. And I I know his generals apprise him of that. Well, I, I think we're going to have to increase our overall defense and force posture in Europe long term. Uh, We certainly have the forces that we can bring to bear to make a meaningful commitment on those borders immediately, and I do think that we should do so. Um, There is an expectation on the Russian side that with their presentation of forces, we would. Um, we, We are keeping them in a place where they see that we are militarily now moving in their direction, and they need to see that, but that's not where this avoidable war gets solved. And that is the word I would stress.
22: Mr. Holt also questioned the decision to move U.S. diplomatic personnel out of the Ukraine. I'm Lance Prime, USA Radio News.
1: Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment Just call today to get your no-obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least six on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save. 800 871 9417. 800 871 9417. 800 871 9417. That's 800 871 9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
6: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine.
2: Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T
6: in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Welcome back to Hour 3. Rick Tittle with you. And uh, Jim say has been a very controversial owner of his time with the Colts and the Ursae family in general and you can talk about his part in Deflate Gate and pushing it and you can talk about pills and DUIs and things but he's very much a guy who's in the forefront, in the spotlight I've seen the uh, hard knocks in season I watched two of them, the Raider episode and the one where they lost to the Jags missing the playoff chance But he tweeted today, here it is, quote, You can see clear as day in the final eight NFL team playoffs. That's how we put it, team playoffs. You need a QB and offense, comma, who can score 30 or more in regulation and a defense that can hold an opponent under 30, exclamation point, football emoji. Well, In their final two games, win either one, and they were in. Raiders and Jags, they scored a combined 31. So everyone is talking about how that this is a shot at Carson Wentz. But if you think about that's all it is, what about special teams? We know about the Packers and the Niners. Field goal blocked punt block, touchdown, allowing over 30 yards per punt return, 10 men on the field for the winning field goal. But Wentz did play a huge role in the Colts' collapse. He stunk in the final two games. And is that, and look, the Colts have not committed to Wentz next year. So I just wonder, this is the thing, when you are an owner like Jed York, I want to apologize. I mean, no. No. Everyone is going to hate what you tweet, even if they agree with you, because they hate you, you're the rich guy, unless you win the Super Bowl, and they'll still probably hate you. So everyone's like, oh, my gosh, what a less than Tasson shot at their defensive coordinator and also the quarterback, Carson Wentz. All right, we got another hour together. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
13: Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to progressive could save big. But then what? Well,
22: we could try to fill the remaining time with awkward pauses. It's often done for comedic effect. Is it working?
9: I can't tell if this is funny.
22: Maybe this is so bad it's funny. Wow, we really peeked at the save big when you switched to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates
5: Deep breaths Mai's virtual meditation studio has never been busier Imagine not working They need a remote assistant to realign their scheduling Blank calendar Sorry, back to your breath Indeed can help them hire great people fast I need Indeed Indeed you do. Make calls, schedule virtual interviews, and talk to candidates right from your employer dashboard. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
15: Right now, sports betting is the fastest growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports specific packages. From the NFL to college basketball to cricket to soccer to the European Tour, that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book. For a highly skilled, reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only beating the books at their own game. Visit againstthenumber.com. That's againstthenumber.com.
3: It is eleven twelve a.m. out here in San Francisco, and it's time to check in with one of the prognosticators at AgainstTheNumber.com, which is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. And Once again, we go over to Blighty, and we are joined by our good friend from ATM, George Gamble, to talk about the beautiful game. George, welcome back to the show. Is there anything worse than an international break?
27: Probably not, to be honest. It's uh, a bit of a mundane time, and it always seems, you know, you get past one, you look forward to some more games, and before you know it, you're back in the midst of another one. So, uh, no, in answer to your question, I don't think there is.
3: You know, I've been enjoying the African Cup of Nations, but we always just call it the Coupe d'Afrique, and now we're going with AFCON. I guess that's the new term, huh?
27: Yeah, there always seems to be a, a new way of kind of shortening the name, but I think <laughs> AFCON is the, the way that people are going forward with it, Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, let me ask you. I'm a Spurs man from the the 80s. I go way back. And uh, Daniel Levy, of course, ends up getting Antonio Conte, and he has earmarked some guys, and we keep hearing the Adama Traore thing is getting closer, and now we're hearing some of these other names, and and now we might not get anything. We know Paratici is the director of football with his relationships that he had from his time in Serie A. Uh, What are Tottenham going to come away with come February 1st?
27: Well, I think personally, when uh, I saw that he was ta- Adama Traore was being touted uh, to Tottenham, I thought it was a very, very interesting move. You know, the reason they brought Conte in, he would not have gone to Tottenham to manage unless he realised that there's going to be funds available to him. Um, we know with Daniel Levy, he's a very tight operator. We, and it would suggest that he's saying, yeah, OK, Conte, I'll back you. We want to improve. We want to be fighting in the, the top echelons of the league. Um, but yeah, when the Adama Triori links were made, I was quite sort of interested because when Conte was at Chelsea, you know, he optimised... Uh, Victor Moses in a similar sort of fullback role, you know, in that wing back position. He was very, very effective. And I think Adama Triori would, would be perfect in that role, particularly for, for Spurs. Um, and I think he's the kind of player that they need because, you know, managers in the past have said that Tottenham just don't have that bite. They don't tend to have that fight. And, you know, the nitty gritty, I think Jose Mourinho said sometimes you've got to, you know, be a bit dirty, be a bit mean. Spurs don't really have that about them. Um, Most of my family are actually Spurs fans and and always have been. So they're often saying to me, you know, how they're not liking what's going on. The performances, they just seem to be a bit weak mentally. Um, But yeah, having Conte in there, I think a Dharma trial would be a big one. Um, And I I think, if anything, you just need a bit more dominance in that midfield. And Dombele was meant to be that man, but he seems to have fallen out of favour. Because the likes of Skip, you know, they can put in a challenge. But I just don't think technically... Uh, they're up there with the best. You look at the best teams in the league, the likes of City, the likes of Liverpool. They've all got really good, key midfield operators. You look at City with Bernardo Silva, technically brilliant. The ball sticks to his feet. You look at Liverpool, the work rate of Henderson, Fabinho. It's, it's excellent. Spurs don't necessarily have that in their locker at the moment. So I think midfield is where they need to bolster, as well as a couple of other key additions, such as Adama Traore. But, yeah, it remains to be seen if they can get those kind of players in. So...
3: Yeah, I agree with you, and and yeah, Skip and Hoyberg are defensive midfielders, and they would like to get you know some attacking play out of out of Winks and Lo Celso, who might be on his way out. of it. They just have never replaced uh, Christian Eriksen, uh, who at his time at Spurs led in so many different categories of goals created and goals outside the box, and just the assists were through the roof. Let me ask you um, on the other end of the table. With the drop, it's not always as exciting. And because of COVID, there are a lot of teams with games in hand. I mentioned Spurs, but none more than Burley with 18. I think we kind of assume that Burnley are going to go down. But <clears throat> when it comes to, you know, Watford, Newcastle, Norwich, we look at them. But surprisingly, there there is the the there from Goodison. And they got rid of Benitez. We know that. But if you're an Everton fan, how panicked should you be?
27: I'd be very concerned. Um, there's a lot of disarray going on at Everton at the moment. You know, there's problems on the field, but it looks like there's problems off the field as well. You know, there's been calls for, for the board. You know, they're not happy there. There's just nothing is settled um, at Everton. You know, you need the kind of the foundations to be there to, to build something good, and the foundations just aren't there. So, yeah, it's it's extremely concerning. It really is. Um, for them, they don't travel well. That's been their main issue. You know, they've only won once in the last ten away games. Uh, and they're conceding around 1.8 goals per game, and they're not even scoring at least one goal per game. They struggle for chances. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison despite their injury wise they still looked off when they have been available. Um, obviously, got Duncan Ferguson in charge there at the moment. Obviously, taking, you know, running the kind of ship as it were. Might be seen if they give it to him permanently, but you know he's got not really got that experience or that now to kind of steer them out of this position. So I do really, really worry for them. I agree with you Ari Burnley I I you know selling Chris Wood who's been you know the top scorer and he's been fantastic for them keeping them up the past few seasons they've now sold him so I don't see where the goals are really going to come from from them the only team to score less than them is Norwich this season so I, I think I agree with you on that I think Burnley could go down irrespective of their, their games in hand but yeah I look at the teams below looking for their you know they're trying to make moves in the transfer market it looks like they're going to bring in uh, Bruno Guimarães from Lyon Brazilian player mm. very very highly regarded I think that's a fantastic addition if they could put that one over the line. And I think Watford have still got a little bit about them. And I'm just trying to compare them in terms of of Everton. And I think at the moment they're in a better position than Everton. So I really do think that Everton's status as a Premier League club is under serious threat.
3: I remember going to Vicarage Road 20 years ago and I went in the way where you actually walked through someone's garden. It was very quaint. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you... um, Yeah, mm mm-hmm. That's one of the things well, that makes it so charming. Very, very, yeah,
27: absolutely. It's the thing with English football; it filters all through the leagues. So even when I, you know, I play local football, you have to walk through a field and avoid the the cows charging at you before you can get to the pitch. It's, <laughs> it seems to be kind of just the way with English football.
3: It's kind of like that game that Tottenham played at Marine last year. of people looking out their <laughs> gardens, having wine, watching Gareth Bale. <laughs> it was pretty cool.
27: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
3: Um, one last question for you. It looks like Man City are the favorites, and then Liverpool and Chelsea will fight for runners-up, but you have four other teams that want that last Champions League spot. you got got you know, Rangnick still there at Man United, West Ham under Moyes, um, Arsenal, who if they get one COVID case get a week off. Now they say you got to have four. And then there are Spurs who have the games in hand. So... Ah, uh, Man United, West Ham, Arsenal, and Spurs. Who do you think of those four would grab the final Champions League position?
27: Well, I'm going to write West Ham off immediately. I think they're somewhat overperforming. I mean, they're excellent, but they've shown signs recently. Um, you know, not fully being there and being able to sustain that challenge. Um, I'm trying to look at it without being biased because, uh, you know, as a lifelong Man City fan, being there when we're terrible, I kind of hope United drop out of it. I don't want them to get there, and I'd love to see Spurs get into it, but. It remains—it's it's tough to say, but right now, um, I'd probably say Arsenal simply because of how good they are usually at home. I know they faulted last time against Burnley, but they're usually pretty solid on home soil. And I, and I think, in terms of like kind of comparing fixtures, um, I think top, Tottenham maybe have a few tougher games, but they have got those games in hand, like you say. But those don't necessarily mean wins. Um, so for now, I'm really torn between Arsenal and Tottenham, but I think unfortunately I'm going to have to sway the side of Arsenal just because of Tottenham's history of, you know, failing at the last. I think Conte still needs a little bit more time to stamp his mark on that side. But I think next season Tottenham could be right up there.
3: Yeah, if Conte stays. I just have a feeling, and look, you know, I'm I'm with you. My personal biases get in the way sometimes. But I just think this isn't, you know, um, Arsene Wenger. I just feel like Arteta is going to bottle it somehow.
27: Yeah, the possibility is there, like I said, it's very tough to decide between the two. But, you know, Tottenham just seem to you know, they're almost they're the very nearly team, you know, it's always almost quite naked but not quite. Um so I would sort of think it'll be the one sort of thing in the last two weeks of the season when Tottenham have that chance to, you know, make that fourth spot their own and for some freak reason do not quite achieve it. Um but no, you know, Conte is the sort of man, it doesn't stay anywhere long, but that says to me that he's gonna be getting the funds to, to get his team together. So I think maybe this season's just a case of learning about Conte, learning how to stay under him, what he expects. And next season, I think Tottenham, like I said, can be right up there, challenging for maybe top three, top two.
3: Actually, real quick, 20 seconds. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has chimed in on uh, p- pick one of these four to be the next manager of Man United. Are, are we at the point now where the players are picking the manager?
27: <laughs> well, it, seemed, it seemed that way, didn't it? They ousted Solskjaer, you know. Oh. And Ronaldo's got a lot of kind of power there at the moment, given his uh, stature as a footballer. But, you know, you can't run a club like that end of the day but the problem is it's easier to replace one man than the entire team but yeah time for me i still don't think time's are good though i think it's a bit of a poison chalice being manager of manchester united
3: yeah and the only thing dumber than that would be get the supporters trust to come in and sign off on all your transfers that would be even more stupid <laughs> we've been speaking with george <laughs> gamble from against the com. i could talk soccer with you all day thanks a lot my buddy and we'll talk soon
27: No worries. Thank you again for having me, and you take care.
3: All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will come on back with Jonah
27: Zhao.
1: 485 6003 800 485 6003. That's 800 485 6003. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 800 449 1759. 800 449 1759. 800 449 1759. Again, that's 800 449
14: 1759. You spent over a decade in the Middle East, and I just wanted to say that I'm a great fan of your work. Well, thank you I very much. For don't that. interrupt me, please. Thank you. <laughs> what
12: did I just say?
16: You must be crazy. a a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Well, that's elaborate. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Hey, kids, coming up February 3rd. That's not just around the time of Punxsutawney Phil. That's also National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And with that in mind, we're quite happy to have Jonah Zhao with us a uh, native of St. Louis M.O., and she didn't have a lot of opportunities to get involved in football, so she created the West Coast-based Female Flag Football League, the SHE unit, which you also play in. Jonah, welcome to this show. How did that all get off the ground?
2: Thank you. (laughs) I've always loved playing sports growing up, and uh, when I was... Working in Atlanta, there was this huge women's league there, which I thought was amazing. And um, I wanted to build up a strong West Coast team that could compete with these really dominant Southern and Eastern teams because the stereotype or the a lot of the East Coast thinks that the West Coast is soft. And so that was the birth of She In It.
3: Now, how did you get involved with the Got Milk Team Milk team?
2: Yeah, so I have posted like football and quarterback videos over time, and I was really grateful that they came across my Instagram account and reached out. So I'm really honored to be part of Team Milk and being part of this amazing all female footballers group. So I uh, always grew up drinking milk, and so it was kind of a really natural fit for me.
3: I'm a milk guy uh, as well, <laughs> and uh, I kind of feel like because my brothers and I had two brothers, and we would go through about a gallon every day because we, we would have it for lunch and breakfast and dinner, mm-hmm. and yet it seems like there are some newfangled haters out there that will say, well, milk is this, milk is that, and, and to me, I think if you use the internet, you can really punch holes in just about every food that we eat, but when it comes down to it, the protein you get and everything else, it's where it's at, right?
2: Yeah, for me, it's the I really like the taste, especially of like whole milk. I'm not an, a, as much of a skim milk person. I really enjoy the full flavor of like the whole milk, and it's really filling, uh, and I like the calcium and the vitamin D, uh, the protein. So for me, it's, uh, I trust it.
3: Now, what is it about these punk East Coasters that think they're better than us?
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, you and I know West Coast, West Coast. But, <laughs> you know, uh, what? traditionally on the West Coast, flag football in, in particular is newer compared to, like, Texas and Florida. So they have been doing it longer, I would say. Um, so uh, I think that's where part of it comes from. Um, but, yeah, there's this idea of, like, West Coast being soft, uh, which I very much disagree with. Um, and we're proving them wrong. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I was looking at some of your highlights, and um, they're pretty fantastic. Is the ball white? Is that what I'm looking at?
2: (laughs) So uh, I use different types of footballs. I use leather, composite, as well as what you're seeing is the white football. Mm So I I have different favorite footballs for different situations, and so um, the white football is one of them. So it's very grippy, uh, and Mm. so it's super easy to throw.
3: By the the way, your game against Pink Marvel, they stink.
2: Oh! You know, everyone has good games and bad games. We (laughs) uh, did really well in that one and ended up winning the championship. So, yeah, it was a fun game.
3: Where was that? Because I'm looking at it. It looks like you're playing right underneath a bridge. Where were you?
2: Yeah, we were at Randall Island in New York City. Mm. Mm -hmm. How fun
3: was that? That was right before the pandemic, huh?
2: Yes. And that was... uh, a team up between some of our East coast teammates and some of us West coast ladies. And we won the East coast tournament. So there we go.
3: (laughs) Very cool. Now what people should know is that you're not some like 19 year old high school phenom on a full scholarship. You are a, uh, you're a working mom getting this all done too, right?
14: Um,
2: I am not a mom, um, but I, yeah. One of the, one of the
3: sample questions talks about how do you balance motherhood and your career?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think there was um, that was uh, supposed to be for someone else. I think it accidentally <laughs> stated <in> mine. <laughs> Future mom potentially. Uh, potential. um,
3: all right, you but, are nineteen, and you're the scholarship kid. Yeah, no, right.
2: I am. You're right. I am definitely not nineteen. I am. Um, I'm a working actress, and so it is a balance between like football and my entertainment career uh, and being an entrepreneur. So there is some juggling that has to
3: happen for sure. So it's a it's a great American story. You were born in China, right?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. made in China and grew up in the States.
3: And um, where did you grow up, by the way?
2: I first moved to upstate New York, Ithaca, and then most of my childhood I would consider St. Louis, Missouri, my hometown.
3: Oh, that's right, Mizzou. So, um, yeah, you have um, uh, done a lot of... Uh, uh, films and and people you've worked with John Hamm, Gal Gadot, Zach Galifianakis, I mean yeah. uh, Olivia Spencer, Jenny Slade who's hilarious. Uh, you, you right. You really been going strength to strength there.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I've been really grateful to get to share the screen with like some of the most phenomenal um, dramatic and comedic talent there is out there. So um, just like whether it's in front of the camera or on the field I really try to see everyone as um, a peer as opposed to putting them on a pedestal. And I think that um, helps me perform better and helps me collaborate um, as more of an equal rather than like, oh my gosh, like this godlike person <laughs> putting them
3: on a <laughs> yeah, Every once in a while someone will say, hey, you actually look better with glasses on, which I think is an insult. So I mean this, the, the, <laughs> that there's a shot of you at John Hamm and keeping up with the Joneses. You look great in those glasses.
2: <laughs> I like glasses. Yeah, why not? And so I, I play in sunglasses, so you so know, it works.
3: What's uh what's coming down the line for uh, the uh, the movie stuff? Sure.
2: So right now I'm uh, mainly just auditioning, so you could see me in who knows what project. Um, I'm hoping to get back brought back for the Flash for their final season.
12: Mm-hmm. So I'm
2: keeping my fingers crossed for that, and um, you'll continue to see me as part of the uh, team. Milk campaign, so I'm super grateful for that and being able to represent both female and Asian athletes and hoping to inspire young girls to uh, play football or whatever sport they want, drink milk, um, take care of their bodies, and more.
3: That's the other thing, too. You know, you mentioned uh, Asians. My best friend growing up was Chinese-American, and he was our best athlete at, at baseball, everything, but when he got to high school... His traditional parents said, um, your studies come first, uh, enough mm. with the games. And we don't have the type of representation of Asians in the in the NFL. And it's and it's not because of stereotypes. I think it's a cultural thing, too. So when you mentioned girls playing, I think it's important to mention you said uh, Asians playing football, too. It's a good, mm-hmm. role, good role model.
2: Absolutely. I think Asians are often underestimated um, in sports, especially. And I know that's happened a number of times for me. And if any anyone out there is facing that type of adversity, I say use it. You know, use it as fuel. Um, prove the haters wrong. And I think that was a big part of what caused me to achieve certain goals in my life is like, oh, you don't think I can? I'll show you. Um, as a matter of fact, I have some teammates who I've told like, you know, I sometimes feel like I do better when people don't think I can. So on my own team, my, uh, my friend Crystal would sometimes be like, you, you're you going to lose this game, Jonah. Like, you can't throw five touchdowns in this game. There's no way. <laughs> so she would actually, like, <laughs> um, share some of that adversity to fuel me up and to pump me up. And it would work a lot of times.
3: <laughs> Great stuff. Well, we want to make sure Team milk got milk. And for people who want more information, let's say there's a young uh, lady listening uh, right now who would like to get involved. Uh, how do they do it?
2: In in flag football yeah. or football? In- mm-hmm. Sure. So I would look to see if there's something offered like intramurals at your school, um, ask around, uh, for like even co-ed leagues. If there isn't one, is that something that you could maybe make? Like there wasn't an eight on eight women's uh, league in Los Angeles, but I loved playing in Atlanta. So I was like, Hey, instead of waiting around for it to happen, like, let me just start, let me just start that league. So is it something you can start? Can you participate with the boys? So I think there are ways to, uh, Proactively go out there and be part of whatever sport that you're interested in.
3: There she is, badass quarterback, part of Team Melk, and talented actress <laughs> Jonah Zhao. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: That's 800-437-8217. Oh,
13: oh, oh, O'Reilly. Is
22: your car no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss out on spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the
9: job right the first time. You'll find great deals on brake pads and rotors, fluids, degreasers, and more. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly. Auto parts. It doesn't really matter. I uh I don't like my
19: job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
16: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated out of San Francisco, coast to coast, around the globe on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show a uh, very talented uh, woman named Naomi McDougal-Jones. She does a lot of stuff, but we are here to talk about her new vampire rom-com called Bite Me which uh, she has uh, co-written and uh, co-directed and stars in as well. It's going to be available on February 8th. Naomi, welcome to the show when you write it and direct it and star in it, it really is your baby. So on the one hand you get to do whatever you want, but on the other hand, it's all on you. So (laughs) what about that pressure?
28: (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Rick. Well, um, yeah, it's, So fun, And I should say, uh, Meredith Edwards actually directed it. I did the other things. But um, it's it's such a, it's like being a wizard (laughs) to get to dream up these characters in your head and write a story that you care about, that you want to bring to people. And then one day on set, all these, you know, a hundred grown adults are running around building sets that you dreamed up. And other grown adults are playing characters that you came up with in your head. And it really is, it's the greatest feeling I've ever had on earth.
3: What's it like when you write something and then you put it out and then festivals and other things and people actually like it? How rewarding is that?
28: Oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. And this Bite Me is a film about the outsiders of society, the people on the fringes who don't feel seen, who feel rejected by society. And so um, this film is a love letter. As as we say, it's a love song to the weirdos um, of which we proudly count ourselves. And it's, so the, the greatest joy with this film is when somebody watches it and comes up to me and um, I can tell that they feel more seen in a way that they don't usually feel seen. So,
3: well, I mean, that's, that's something near and dear to you in many ways. Um, obviously, <coughs> the philanthropic ventures you have with the 51 Fund, it's an investment fund financing films just like this, written, directed, and produced by women. But uh, also, um, your book... The Wrong Kind of Women Inside a Revolution to Dismantle the Gods of Hollywood, the the TED Talk. why uh, The TED Talk, by the way, what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood. When did you decide that, you know, you had learned enough and you needed to impart some of these facts and wisdom to people to get the word out?
28: Well, so I started off as, as an actress in Hollywood and in the films, and initially, uh, received the levels of sexism and uh, <laughs> abuse that most female actors do, but initially I naively thought it was just because I was an actress, and so I decided to become a filmmaker because I wanted to see more of the woman's perspective in film, and I wanted to see more interesting characters, female characters on screen, than I was getting to play, and so I decided to become a filmmaker, and it was really when I became a filmmaker that the penny dropped for me on that the so the depth of the sexism in the industry was not limited to actresses, but um, w- in fact, to our perspective and presence in general, I had men tell me, oh, girls, you know, you're going to need to get a male producer on board at some point just so that people will trust you with their money. I heard nobody wants to see stories about women over and over and over again, and I just couldn't. I was so stunned that this industry that claims to be sort of the bastion of liberal um, thought in this country is is so deeply regressive and, is, and is, by statistics is actually one of the most regressive industries in our country left. Um, and once I realized that I became so outraged um, and felt like people needed to know what was happening. And these stories of course go out and shape um, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about each other, the way our society functions, not just in this country, but of course around the world since the um, film is the U.S.'s uh, fifth biggest export. So we're uh, we're, we're spreading the patriarchy not only across the country but around the world.
3: Uh, I'm also fascinated by the fact that you have this, may I say, this tug-of-war with Hemingway and in Ketchum going, (laughs) living in his house, and he is... You know, one of our greatest writers, rock contours, and also SOBs and womanizers. I mean, he's just so <laughs> so multi-layered. Uh, what is it about being in his house and and living with his ghost, so to speak? <laughs>
28: um, well, this is actually the subject of my next book. Is my uh, my my journey with Hemingway's ghost? Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's such a fascinating human being and the way we think of him is so much the mythology that he wanted us to have of him of his um you know outsized masculinity like wrestling with bears and as you say womanizing and um you know fighting bulls and writing manly books and all these things but he was actually much much more complicated than that in reality and um you know, there's, there's a lot of gender bending stuff that went on in his own life that has somehow never is known about, but has never stuck to the myth. Um, and so I'm, I'm fascinated both by the the distance between the man and the myth, and also by the, by the ways in which his, um, obsession with his own myth and his own performance of masculinity ended up really destroying him, um, as his life went on. And, uh, he's he's quite an interesting <laughs> one to unpack in terms of looking at uh, the old dead white guys and what do we do with them and how do we what is it that we can learn from them even as we take them off their pedestals and try to move forward.
3: Very interesting. We're speaking with Naomi McDougall Jones, uh, part of the um, creative process and starring in the movie Bite Me, coming out on February eighth. Going back to your your book, The Wrong Kind of Women, and, and your TED talk as well. It's one thing to get the word out, talk about your experiences, whether it's me too or whatever, just what you experienced in Hollywood. But when you see it uh, come back to you and you see people say like, you know, what Rose McGowan had to say about your book and just people saying, you know, thank you. You helped me. Or maybe you made me realize that I was, you know, being mistreated. Uh, What's it like when you realize that you have actually helped people tangibly?
28: I mean, that's, that's the only reason I get up in the morning. And, you know, there have been so many women and men working on this issue for so long and, and behind me and beside me. And um, I, I think the, the the best, the greatest comment, comments I've received from my book have been, you know, female filmmakers in the generation above me saying, I thought it was just me. You know, I, I thought I was the only one experiencing this. I thought I was the problem. And reading your book made me see that it's actually all of us, that we were all going through this together, but we were in these silos and we didn't know. And so the system had convinced each of us that it was just our fault. And they said, if I had had this book, um, if I'd read this book 20 years ago, my, my career would have been completely different. And so then getting to speak to college students who are reading my book now before they come out into their careers, it's just so heartening to imagine that, perhaps in some small way the knowledge and the information in my book will allow them to to break out of the system in a way that previous generations could not.
3: No, that's really, that's really well said. And um, for people who don't know, you were on Boardwalk Empire, which was a fantastic series on uh, HBO. It, it, it's hard to believe that it started, what, more than 10 years ago now. Um, yeah, but, I know. But when you got cast in that, did you kind of think to yourself, how long until I get killed?
28: Well, I'm a woman, so I thought, how long until I have to take my boobs out? <laughs> I, I actually have the distinction of one of being the, one of the few women on the show who never had to take her clothes off. So that, there's there's that. <laughs> all right.
3: Did, did you, but was Scorsese there all the time, or was he just there in name?
28: Oh, no, no. He was mostly there in name. Um, he certainly was not there on set any days that I was.
3: Right. Okay. So um, I'm I'm just, you have so many forks on the fire and like I I can, I can look at, you know, as I, as I find out more about you, you have 10 different things going on. Uh, Are you, (laughs) are you at the point now in your career where a publisher or someone making a film or a documentary is coming to you because we, we need people with the creativity and the storytelling that you do. And it's almost like you can, you can just pick your own stuff now.
28: Um, I really am at that point in my career, which is hard to believe. <laughs> because I, you know, for so long I, I, I had to fight and scrape for everything, um, as so many do. And it is, I, it's a privilege every day that I take, do not take for granted. But um, I am at the point now where I can pretty much write my own ticket, which is a uh, privileged place to be.
3: And then I've talked to many filmmakers in the past, and, and uh, male filmmakers, when you're looking for investors, you talked about getting money, they'll say, you know, how many times have you been approached and say, yeah, I need to get my girlfriend, uh, She she needs a part. And one pretty prominent filmmaker told me, he said that happened about four times, twice the girl could act and twice she shouldn't, she couldn't <laughs> act, but... <laughs> Does does that still go on uh, when someone's saying, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and fund this, but you know, my nephew needs to be cop number three.
28: Um, I'm certainly, we get offered those deals all the time. Um, I'm pretty careful. Uh, I'm, I'm super upfront with my investors about what they can expect and what, you know, what the parameters are and what their expectations should be. And I expect them to be the same. So, um, I, I try to only take money where everyone's going to be happy, you know, where everyone, uh, where everyone's goals are aligned and, um, it doesn't, uh, you know, risk the, the creative integrity of the, of the thing itself.
3: Before I let you go, tell us a little bit more about Avalon story.
28: Sure. So Avalon story is a center of practice, um, That I started last year based here. I I moved to Idaho during the pandemic and um, so I have a lot of stories based here in Ketchum, Idaho. Um, And its purpose in the world is to answer two questions. Um, What does does story need to be to build us a bridge to a more beautiful future? And what does the business of story need to be to serve as a vehicle for the same? Um, So the question is, as we think about a time where it's not right, we're straight cis white men are not in charge of the entire industry what does that mean for story itself um because you know every screenwriting book that's taught out of was written by a white guy and so we have to start thinking not just how can we get uh, women's percentages to be better which of course we need but also to think more expansively about how do women tell stories that is different um what how ha- are the story structures we have actually the best to reflect women's experiences in the world? I think it they aren't. Um, so we really need to start experimenting more bravely in terms of the, the story and the structures themselves, as well as, of course, the business structures to support those stories. So that's what we're exploring at Avalon Story.
3: Fantastic stuff, and people can also check out Imagine I'm Beautiful, which won many awards, uh, which is uh, streaming as well. But the new movie, Bite Me, the vampire rom-com, which will be out on February 8th. Make sure to check it out with Naomi McDougall-Jones. You're very fascinating. Thanks for coming on and, uh, <laughs> and, and letting us peel back your brain and look into it for a little bit.
28: Thank you so much for
3: having me, Rick. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Thank
1: that's 800-756-3744.
7: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Call Rate Genius now.
1: 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. 800 811 7913. That's 800 811 7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
25: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedar Sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California Blue Goo a try, call one 330 3300123 and you'll receive a one-week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is one 330 3300123 If you want more information on Blue Goo, visit online at ww.doothegoo.com. Now
4: available at Select Big Five Stores near you.
25: Can I be real with you
4: right now? I mean like really, really real? Yes. I just thought about going out there for the second half and a little bit of pee came out.
16: Rick Tittle, you done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
3: All right, I got about a minute and a half from Mario in Florida. What's up, man? Rick, who was that young lady
16: that uh,
26: was discussing flag football and other things? Because I haven't checked the Twitter in the last 20 minutes, so I don't know if you posted who that was.
3: That's uh, I posted it. It's Her name is Jonah, X I A O.
26: Oh, okay, Chinese. Chinese-American. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, on, and I'll tell you, it's of great interest to me because on, and I can, listen, on September 29th, I'll, I'll never forget this, 2019, my Chinese daughter mm-hmm. walked into my study and started watching New Orleans and Dallas, yep. and it was, it ended up a game 12 to 10, and from then on, she became a huge Drew Brees fan, then she became a huge uh, football fan, and she sits there, she does fantasy. You know, we predict games. We sit there, and we'll walk, We'll do marathons of uh, Sunday from one o'clock Eastern time till Sunday. And I can tell you, uh, anybody who doubts the the bonding experience of even what even a young woman, I shouldn't say even a young woman that can occur over sports is missing the boat. It is uh, it, it just, and getting them participating. She's a flag football quarterback. Getting them participating in sports and how it enriches their lives. I applaud that you having that woman on and giving her a platform to to uh, promulgate that message.
3: Very cool. I'm glad it resonated with you. And I got to run. Give me a call sometime, Holmes. You, bet. you uh, bet. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll do it again at 9 a.m.